Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. The fellows are on a well-deserved break. They'll be back in just a few days. We swap out our offensive Super Bowl champion, Keyshawn, with the defensive stud that won Lombardi as well. Chris Canty, and he joins us this morning after his great NFL career. It's great to have you here this morning. Thanks for having me, Zub. We've been having fun the first couple of hours. Let's it keep is, it rolling. Absolutely. It has flown by, and keeping it rolling is a good way to describe the Bucks. You know, when you think about it, tongue planted firmly in cheek, that's the cliche that the guys always rig, uh, you know, rib me on a little bit. But the bottom line is, this time the comeback against the Falcons for Tom Brady, uh, they didn't even need overtime. <laughs> This time, he just was able to do it in regulation after a terrible first half, a great second half, the activation now of Antonio Brown. That's another underrated story we need to talk about after what we saw yesterday. How much more are we going to see from him and that connection, catching his first touchdown pass since Brady threw him a touchdown pass mm-hmm. when they were a member of the Patriots against the Dolphins. So here you go. That last comeback against Atlanta in the Super Bowl was Brady's fifth of six Super Bowl titles. After yesterday's win, it feels in some ways they could be back on track, but this is just such an inconsistent excuse me, squad. They look like two different teams, right? First half, terrible. Second half, Brady looked like vintage Brady. And Bruce Arians is wondering why his team has that sort of split. Well, that's that's the way we should be playing. That's my comments to the team after the game is, if we could play 30 minutes like that, why the hell can't we play 60? And it's it's frustrating. And so that is a good question that Coach Arians broached. Earlier this morning, Mike Greenberg and Dan Orlovsky were with us on set with Chris and I and simply gave Coach Arians the answer. The first half was Bruce Arians' offense. And the second half was Tom Brady's mm. offense. Because in the first half, they go in there with their plan, and it stinks. And then when they're, when they're way behind, and it's like, Tom, just go out there and find the open guy and make stuff happen. And all of a sudden, they look a lot better. This is the same story for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Coaches hold them back. Players pull them out. Like, the coaches dig them the hole, and then the players dig themselves out of it. Anybody who tells me Tom Brady can't play anymore, I, just go look at the second half. He threw for 320 yards in the second half. Guy threw up for a quiet 400 yards. Take me inside the mind of a player, particularly what Orlovsky, a quarterback for 12 years in the league, said. Coaches put him in the hole. Players dig him out. From a player perspective, your thoughts? Well, it's something about what Bruce Arians is doing that's getting his team off to slow starts. They've got to be better. I mean, they're 14th in expected points per play average in the first half, but they're fifth in the second half. So I'm not sure exactly what the game plan is going into these games week in, week out. But Bruce Arians has got to do something to get this team to start faster. I mean, this team has got to be trying to move toward playing better football, more consistent football as we get closer to the postseason. And they're just not doing that. Now, yesterday they're playing against the Atlanta Falcons. You got some margin for error because you're talking about one of the worst teams in football. But what happens when we get to January and we're in the playoffs and you're playing against a good team in the NFC? You can't afford to dig that kind of hole and be down three possessions at halftime. So 
B.A. has got to look himself in the mirror and figure out exactly what's happening and why his team is starting slow and rectify that in the next couple of weeks before we get to the tournament. We're asking this morning on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, who do you trust in the NFC the most? You could go with the Bucks. Chris is going with the Seahawks. The Packers seem like a good answer. That's what Mike Greenberg went with. This morning, is there somebody else? Was it just a one-off for the Rams yesterday? Was it a clunker? Could that be the team to keep an eye on? We'd love to hear your thoughts. 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776, Key J and Z on Twitter. The answer in the AFC is obvious. It's the Chiefs. And this is just a bit of breaking news from Adam Schefter this morning. Just want to stay to get your quick thoughts on that. We'll go right back to the Brady discussion with one of Brady's Super Bowl teammates, Gerard Cherry, joining us this morning in about six minutes. From Schefter, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the Chiefs rookie running back out of LSU, has thought to have suffered a high ankle sprain, expected to miss the rest of the regular season. Not the biggest deal in the world, but it is notable. Got out to that great start in his first game, decelerated a little bit, but they have an embarrassment of riches on offense, but they won't have Edwards Hilaire through the rest of the regular season, which of course runs just another couple weeks. Yeah, but they do have Le'Veon Bell. They picked him up in the middle of the season, so maybe when it comes to the run game, they can funnel those plays through him, and that'll be enough to bridge them until they get to the postseason. Hopefully they'll get Clyde Edwards Hilaire back, but Considering this, you got two regular season games, and if they hold on to pole position in the AFC, they'll have an additional bye week to get him some rest. So hopefully he'll be able to be back by then. But this Kansas City Chiefs offense is a handful, man. They got a completely different gear in comparison to the rest of the offenses in the National Football League, and you saw them pull it out in the second half against the Saints yesterday. You mentioned Arians. Mike mentioned Arians. Dan mentioned Arians. Bruce himself is questioning himself. I just wonder why a team that is the model of consistency – from their top player, right? Brady has been a model of consistency for the last two decades. Why is a team like that? And if it's just totally on Arians, tell me that, but I don't, I'm generally a believer that you can't just lump everything on one person. The Jets problems aren't a hundred percent on Sam Darnold and the chiefs aren't winning a hundred percent because of Patrick Mahomes. There's Mm -hmm. percentages to be spread, but why is it that the most consistent player of the last 20 years, essentially his whole career, right? Essentially, is leading such an inconsistent squad. Well, I think there's been this push and pull between Bruce Arians and Tom Brady. I mean, Bruce has his So you're offense. putting it on Arians here. Well, well here's the thing. I yeah. think they both got to come together and find some type of synergy, and they haven't been able to do that as consistently as we would have expected at, during this season. So you're hoping that they're able to figure that out, especially looking at the second half of yesterday's game. But this has been going on throughout the course of the regular season. There have been some performances, some head-scratching moments where you're like, why, why are the Tampa Bay Bucks struggling the way that they are on the offensive side of the ball? The defense has been able to create pressure. They've been able to get after the quarterback. They're number one in stopping the run. They've given up some big plays in the passing game of late. But defensively, I don't really look at it as being issues that can't be cleaned up by Todd Bowles. But offensively, they just haven't seemed to be able to get in sync. And I think that's, that's on B.A. and that's on Tom Brady to be able to come together and figure out what our identity has to be in order for us to have success and be consistent. They haven't been able to do that yet. They've got to figure out how they can come to some common ground. Because, listen, when this offense is rolling, mm-hmm. they can put up points with the best of them now. You saw it. I mean, Chris Godwin had a touchdown catch yesterday. You saw Mike Evans go off for six catches for 110. Antonio Brown, five catches, 93 yards, mm-hmm. and that pretty touchdown that Tom Brady threw him. So I just – they have the weapons to be able to get this done. The offensive line is in place. It's just a matter of being able to be more consistent. And to me, that's the head coach and the quarterback being able to have a better marriage. So Key and Jay didn't really buy when I was saying – this we're saying it from week to week because you don't really know where the bucks are going to be so you have to kind of refigure the argument every monday morning depending on what they just did but i maybe i'm just overstating this 
And we've discussed it this morning. The Dr. Pepper Twitter feed is who do you trust the most in the NFC? And if the answer is essentially, you know, what's my answer that I feel the most comfortable about? Not a definitive answer. But if you're telling me it's a complete toss up, understanding that, you know, Green Bay on a great day or Drew Brees when he's totally healthy is a different story. I look at it and say, and the fellows disagreed. Look. As long as you get into, as you like to call it, the tournament, mm-hmm. but as long as you get into the 14-team playoff field, and I got number 12, and I understand he's looked 43 at times in a bad way, and at times he's looked 43 mature and just has figuring everything out at the line of scrimmage. It works both ways. But my thing is, they get in, they got 12. Who else, maybe Aaron Rodgers, maybe Breeze, when you're running out there with two minutes to go and we need to win this game and he's trotting out there, I don't care what field, what state, what city they're in, why would you not feel like that dude in the playoffs in a jumbled conference isn't my best option? That's a great question. I don't know why you wouldn't have confidence in Tom Brady once he gets into the playoffs. I mean, he's proven that he's able to have success at the highest level, and he's done it over and over and over again. And the team that we're sitting here talking about being the best in the NFC, the Green Bay Packers, they went down to Tampa and got the doors blown off them. Yep. So at the upside, this Tampa Bay Bucks team is right up there with the best teams in the NFC. It's just a matter of which Bucks team is going to show up. And the question that I would pose to Bruce Arians is, if this organization is going all in on Tom Brady over the next couple of years to try to win a championship, why haven't you? If it's all about making Tom Brady comfortable so he can be as productive as he can be, then why not give a little more in terms of the things that you want to do on the offensive side of the ball and make it more of what he wants to do? We see what Tom Brady's capable of when he's comfortable, i.e. the second half against Atlanta yesterday. Yeah, it's a great point because he's made it work with Big Ben. I'm talking about Bruce Arians here. He's made it work with Big Ben. He's made it work with Peyton Manning. He made it work with Andrew Luck to an extent. So yep. you would think if you could make it work with those three guys, you could certainly make it work with Tom Brady. We'll wait to see what happens. Beginning Tuesday, January 5th, Mike Greenberg begins his new show, Greenie, immediately following Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin right here on ESPN Radio. Greenie will take you inside the stories of the day as only he can. He'll have the A-list newsmakers you'd expect from Mike and interact with you every single weekday. He was with us this morning and he was mm-hmm. on fire about the Jets from Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin right into Greenie weekday mornings right here on ESPN Radio. It's a pleasure to go to the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line and welcome in Gerard Cherry. It's his first appearance here on Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin. You might remember him as a Super Bowl champion with the Pats, and we'll get into that and what he thinks about Tom Brady, his old teammate, in just a moment. But a reminder, he's a host on our great affiliate in Cleveland, ESPN 850, so he can talk Browns, he can talk Pats, he can talk it all, and he joins us on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. First thing first, um, your boots on the ground there in Cleveland. What do you make? of them finally hitting the coveted 10-win mark, inching closer, Gerard, to the postseason and snapping the NFL's longest playoff drought. I can't believe what I'm witnessing, what I'm seeing, because if you would have asked me at the beginning of the year, would the Browns be a 10-win mark? I would have told you, hell no, they wouldn't be there. <laughs> no offseason, no training camp, rookie head coach, and all that entails. So I am so impressed with this football team. And I say that I've been fanning scared, but now I'm really believing in this football team, especially on the offensive side of the ball, that they're for real. JC, what's the biggest, between, biggest difference between Baker Mayfield, the guy that we saw October and November, and the guy that we're seeing play right now? Well, Chris, the biggest difference is this. The guy you saw in October was staring down receivers. The guy you saw in October was not doing the fine nuances of playing the quarterback position. And what I mean by that, he wasn't looking off of safety. He wasn't exploiting the opportunities that he had with the football with his eyes. What he was doing is simply staring down receivers. You look at him now, his footwork's pristine. 
He's looking guys off. He's opening up guys with his movements and just playing the game at a higher level. I want to ask you about your old teammate, of course, Tom Brady. You're a Super Bowl champion, and of course, Tom has won six. There's many people that think that if the Bucks can just get on the same page, which has been easier said than done this season, they've got an opportunity to maybe play in Super Bowl 55 in their own stadium. That said, just take me through what you've seen from Tom at times, as I mentioned, looking like a 43-year-old with regards to age, but at other times looking like 43 years old, that he comes to the line and sees it as clear as anybody. Why have they been so inconsistent knowing Tom the way you know Tom? I think it's a combination of things. One, think about with him with the Patriots. It was more of a read, obviously pre-snap, post-snap reads, but not as much emphasis on the deep ball and being vertical, but more or less beating you horizontally, high-low type of routes. And what are you seeing now is more of a vertical passing game where Bruce is essentially saying, I want to see if you can go the aerial assault route and see what you get done. A la 2007 when you had Randy Moss at the helm and see what you can do because you have similar type of weapons. So I think it's more of that. And if you've been doing something for, what, 19 years out of your 20-plus year career, then you may have some issues with that. So I think it's more of that, more so than anything. But I can promise you this, Tom is still preparing like he's always prepared. I'll never forget we had a game against the Miami Dolphins, and we had lost that Monday night game. And I had to stay back for a treatment, and we got in about 3 o'clock in the morning. And everyone's leaving this facility, and Tom Brady at 4 a.m. in the morning is going in to watch film. That level of preparation and that level of dedication has got him to where he's at to where he's considered one of the greatest of all time. And I'm sure he's putting in that level of work still. JC, your former team, the Patriots, were officially eliminated from playoff contention yesterday. They took the L down there in Miami at the hands of Tua Tungavaloa and that Brian Flores coach defense. My question to you is, where does that organization turn now in terms of the quarterback position and their overall plan moving forward? Well, I'd like to see Cam get another year under the helm with the offseason with Josh with Josh Daniels and see how that works. But at the same time, we realize it's about the quarterback position and that if you're not going to get a high level from the quarterback, you're not going to do well because what did Tom do? We had good players and we had dedicated guys with the Patriots, but Tom, it's fair to say, elevated some guy's level of play with his play. And Cam's going to have to do that as well. If not, you're going to have to find another. If you don't find a world beater or a guy that can do that, the team's going to struggle. But also, I believe this. The culture is still there on putting team over self and that belief. But if you don't have guys willing to buy into it, then what are you going to do? So I think it's really an issue of that and that you obviously miss Tom because look who's moving forward and who's not. Very fair. I, I don't know why it took us so long to have you on. Great insight, bringing the passion. I love the Tom Brady story. Not surprised by it, but I'm really interested to hear that level of dedication, and apparently they're going to need it more than ever before. This is going to be a very interesting NFC race to the finish. Gerard, thanks very much. Have a great show this afternoon, and thanks for joining us. Uh, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Just a reminder, Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Providing your small business is a big deal. Cover what you have worked so hard for. Visit ProgressiveCommercial.com. So he's got an insight on the Browns that nobody else had. He's been there. He's watched them. He's shocked by what 
he has seen this year from them. And I thought that was a great point because everybody deals with this differently. If you're the Saints and you know Kamara and Thomas and Breeze or your triplets are together, you may not need the offseason training camp, the OTAs. You're in lockstep. But when you're a team like the Browns and your quarterback's on the brink and you got a first-year head coach and you don't have all those things to get ready, truncated training camp, no preseason, I thought it was an excellent point there by Gerard Cherry that the Browns have done what they've done. So extra tip of the cap to them. On the other side, though, you are true Blue, big blue, Super Bowl champion with the Giants. And yesterday, at the most important position on the field, we've been talking about the Browns and their quarterback situation all morning long. You kind of had a bit of a head-scratching moment on exactly why the Giants started who they did. Take us inside this. Well, here's the thing. Colt McCoy was their quarterback yesterday. Daniel Jones came back for the Arizona Cardinals game a week prior. He had a hamstring injury that he had suffered two weeks ago in the game against Cincinnati. And then he wasn't able to be mobile in that game against the Cardinals. Ends up getting sacked six times, sprains an ankle. So he's got the ankle and he's got the hamstring. Joe Judge made the decision to go with Daniel Jones, even though he wasn't 100% against the Cardinals. And because of that, you had to turn to Colt McCoy last night. I'm not sure that Joe Judge handled the injury situation with Daniel Jones to give his team the best chance to make a playoff push down the stretch. How much healthier would Daniel Jones have been had the plan after the initial injury to the hamstring occurred in Cincinnati, had that plan been to rest him against Seattle, to rest him against Arizona, and see how healthy he is this week leading into Cleveland. So a little bit of a question mark as to – Joe Judge's decision on whether or not he should have went with Daniel Jones against the Cardinals. And I think it's an admission by him and the medical staff that he were, there was a misstep, the fact that they rolled out with Colt McCoy yesterday. And it's interesting because McCoy had done the most with his opportunities, at least in that game against Seattle, which had to be one of the more stunning results of the NFL season. Maybe came back down to earth. Maybe he was the real McCoy. with <laughs> Maybe that's who he is yeah. yesterday. I want to ask you kind of a fun question here, and I'm just going to extrapolate this as to say the percentage chances say the Washington football team is going to win the NFC. They didn't look great yesterday, but I don't think they were favored to win yesterday. And obviously the Eagles couldn't keep peace yesterday. Mm-hmm. The Giants couldn't. And believe it or not, the Cowboys aren't completely out of this thing. It's unbelievable right? what the it's NFC East is. It's unbelievable. So let's just let's call Washington to win it because they have a better than average chance, according to our football power index, to do so. Not ruling out any of the other teams, considering what this division has been. Do you think if they get the right matchup? Now I know a lot of this depends on. We're gonna. I'm just gonna put Alex Smith back in the starting lineup. I'm okay. not gonna say a team's gonna come in with Dwayne Haskins and lose. But if they get Alex Smith back. And they host a playoff game, and we've seen in years past crazy things happen when people have to come play supposedly inferior teams in the playoffs, most notably with New Orleans and Seattle almost a decade ago, which might be a good blueprint, by the way, for the Washington football team to follow, right? Mm -hmm. Slow build, try to make it work with a young quarterback, if that makes any sense. Um, Could the Washington football team, if they get the right team to come in, could they win a playoff game at home after everything we've said about this division? I think they absolutely can, and the defense is what's going to give them a chance, led by that defensive line with all those first-round draft picks. I mean, you saw it again yesterday. Montez Sweats gets his big paws on the football, and Deron <laughs> Payne comes down with an interception. Like, when your defense is capable of being able to create the amount of disruption and the turnovers and create point-blank scoring opportunities for your offense, you're always going to have a chance. And when you get in the postseason, it becomes about your defense and being able to put pressure on the opposing team's passer. The Washington football team can absolutely do that. So you can't discount them, even though they're probably going to be the division winner of an all-time bad 
NFC East. So I just I look at this Washington football team and say they're capable of winning a playoff game if Alex Smith comes back healthy. What do you want to see from the Giants, your boys, the rest of the year? I want to see winning football. I mean, their defense is always going to give them a chance. They're, they're similarly built in terms of what they want to do. They want to be able to run the football, keep the game close, and win it in the fourth quarter. Joe Judge's teams have been competitive throughout the course of the season, save the one game against the 49ers in week three. So you lean on that defense, and you try to get some plays on the offensive side of the ball, some explosives off of play action. But it starts on offense with being able to run the football, and they just haven't been able to do that at, at, at an efficient enough clip the last couple of weeks and that's why they got losses against Arizona and they got the loss last night against the Browns so we got to put a button on it by saying this when they started one in when they started 0 and 5 and 1 and 7 Key was out there saying they could make the playoffs I, it's insane I couldn't see it then they started edging their way there yep. and Joe Judge was getting praise I mean obviously when you come from the Belichick Saban tree you probably learned a couple things on the way out the door probably just a few Give me a grade on him. I, I don't think he can win NFL Coach of the Year because, honestly, these last couple of weeks have taken just a little shine off, but they continue to play really hard for a guy that didn't have too much of an NFL pedigree at the head coaching or even coordinator level, technically yep. speaking. He came in hardcore Tom Coughlin, Parcells, except without the Lombardis, and yep. people are like, man, you're going to lose this team right away. Instead, he grabbed them by the throat and said, fellas, you're coming with me. I know what I'm doing right now. Grade for judge. I'm giving him an A minus, Zoo. I'm giving him an A minus. And coming into this season, I thought the Giants could be a seven or eight win team if everything broke right. But I thought that primarily because of the pieces that they had on the offensive side of the ball. They got a lot of draft capital and a lot of cap dollars tied up in that unit. But it's been their defense that's really been the catalyst for this turnaround in the second half. And sometimes you have to understand that you're not going to be the team that you planned on being. You turn into the team that you need to be. And that's exactly what Joe Judge did with the identity of the Giants on the fly. This is a tough, physical team that plays smart football. They don't make the mistakes that make you easy to beat. And I think you have to attribute all of those things to the head coach because in the Ben McAdoo, Pat Shermer era things, it wasn't like that for the Giants. So I got to give him an A minus and the only reason it's not an A plus is because I think there was a little bit of a misstep in terms of how they handled the Daniel Jones injury situation but had it not been for that hamstring in Cincinnati you'd probably be talking about the Giants in the pole position in the NFC East I know you can never prove a hypothetical but the way that team was playing and how they were winning football games there was a lot to like and so even though the Giants playoff hopes look dim I think looking into 2021, if you're a Giants fan, there's a lot to be excited about. No question. It still boggles the mind. A coach that was 1-7 could get an A-, minus, but it makes total sense with everything that you said. On the way, were Irish eyes smiling on a 24-point defeat the exact way they needed? Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit... 
Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Key and Jay are on vacation. It's great to have the Super Bowl champion Chris Canty filling in this morning. And we've had a lot of fun talking NFL, but let's talk college football with the voice of the sport to many, including myself, Paul Feinbaum, brought to you by Dr. Pepper. The college football season heating up. So is your favorite Dr. Pepper loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice cold 20 ounce Dr. Pepper today. Paul, good morning. What do you make of the four? I have no big issues with it, uh, uh, Z, and and quite frankly, I know everyone wants to complain, and I've heard this over and over again. Man, this is boring. Uh, It's it's too predictable. Uh, Let's do something about it. Well, you can't really do anything about Alabama and Clemson. Uh, Since 2014, when this thing began, uh, they have both uh, been in the playoff every year but one. Clemson missed the first, and Alabama missed last year. But other than that, uh, they are the kings of college football. And, yeah, you can open it up. You you can let eight in, and we'll have some interesting matchups in the first round. But I'm willing to bet you that we'll still end up with Alabama and Clemson. So, you know, attack the committee all you want, and I I have done that many times. But I I think in this particular case, they came up with a, a, a very reasonable four teams. Paul, Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the AAC, came out and was very critical of the college football playoff. He said the system was broken. I wanted to get your take on what you thought about the college football playoff system. And if it is broken, then what's the alternative? Where does college football turn? Yeah, Chris, he made those comments, and uh, the committee said, thank you, uh, Commissioner. We'll just uh, continue to uh, (laughs) diss your team, uh, Cincinnati. I'm not sure those were the best uh, uh, time comments by the commissioner, although I I, I do agree with him in many respects, uh, because he he also said, you know, we were better off with the BCS. And and guys, the BCS would have come up with, guess who? Uh, Alabama (laughs) and Clemson. They, they, They would have also come up with with Notre Dame and Ohio State, I've seen the simulation. So nothing really changes. I, I think what you have uh, on Selection Sunday, you have a lot of voices, and I'll include mine as one of those voices that, that likes to scream and holler. And, and we've made a big deal about things that have nothing to do with the very top. Yeah, you can argue Texas A&M's resume, and it's a fair argument. Uh, they're, in, they're in the best league in college football. You can quibble about Ohio State and say, well, they only played six games. But, uh, you know, so what? Uh, it, it's, it's the most bizarre year in the history of college football. But I, I think they, they could have opened it up this year, of all years, and let a few more schools uh, in on the party. And, yes, uh, you, know, you would have included the West Coast, which is non-existent right now in the college football playoff. You would have let uh, the, the, the non-Power Fives in. Uh, I think Cincinnati is a very deserving representative. By, by the way, Army might have even gotten a ball bid, but somehow they, they missed out, which is a travesty. Uh, but yeah, that, that's for another day. This, this, this uh, committee uh, is doing what they're supposed to do. And until the, the college football playoff, meeting with their television partners, guess who, Zubin, uh, come up with another plan, uh, we are stuck with this for five more years. Paul, I want to get into the games this weekend. I had the chance to talk to you on my radio show in here in New York City on Friday, and you didn't expect the SEC championship game to be all that close. Had it not been for a Kyle Trash strip sack at the beginning of the fourth quarter, we could be talking about a different outcome 
in that game. Take me through how Florida was able to keep it closer than most people thought it would be in the SEC championship. Yeah, you're right, Chris. I mean, at times during the game, uh, Alabama had a 17-point lead. But the problem for Alabama, uh, which we saw early in the year, came back to haunt them again. Uh, their secondary is, is not as elite as it has been in the past. They don't have an edge rusher like they have. I mean, the, the NFL draft has benefited from a lot of great Alabama linemen. And I think that was something that Nick Saban had, was able to mask all year long. If you go back to, uh, I think it was uh, early October, second week of the year, uh, uh, Ole Miss lit Alabama up. They nearly won that game uh, with Lane Kiffin you know, with a fairly pedestrian team, but a lot of great play calls. Uh, Alabama was run ragged, and Alabama fans were, were screaming and hollering and wanted a change of the defensive coordinator position. But then Alabama got a little bit better. They got healthy, and, and they were able to mask those problems. But uh, you know, Florida had, had the elite quarterback and the elite receivers, especially Kyle Pitts, and it really caused them a lot of problems. Notre Dame will not cause them any problems if you watch Notre Dame, Chris. <laughs> however, however, Clemson could, and that's something that, that Alabama fans and, and are going to have to hold their breath about because uh, you're up against uh, arguably the best quarterback in the country, although that's for next week, not this week. And, uh, but, but Alabama still has issues on defense. Now, having said that, they have three Heisman candidates in their backfield. So they can, they can make up, they can, they can outscore you. I mean, it's like tennis. I mean, if, if, if you don't score every time against Alabama, if you, if you settle for a field goal, you're probably going to lose the game. Yes, and in tennis vernacular, the break point will come very quickly if you don't do that. That is for <laughs> sure. Paul, I got to ask you this, and I, and I totally agree with you. you know, after the game Saturday night, Saban was doing an interview on the field with Jamie Erdahl of CBS, and he basically said, as crazy as this sounds, but there was no arrogance in this at all. He said, like, we need to be tested. We need to play in a game where in the fourth quarter we're yeah. sweating just a little bit, and he finally got that. I want to ask you this, Paul. The conventional wisdom was this year, don't worry about it. Every coach gets a pass. It's the pandemic. We're losing tons of money. How could anybody afford a buyout? Everyone's safe. Well, guess what? This carousel is exactly like all the others. Derek Mason, SEC gone. Will Muschamp, SEC gone. Kevin Sumlin, Pac-12 gone. Lovey Smith, Big Ten gone. Gus Malzahn, SEC gone. Even Steve Campbell, South Alabama, uh, sneaky good job. Only Paul and I care about that. Gone. So what do you make of the fact that this is just business as usual when they said the economic impact of the coronavirus was going to be so bad that every coach on a hot seat was going to wake up and say, don't worry, it's actually pretty cool. It hasn't turned out to be that way. No, because Cuban, if you look at it from 38,000 feet, it is a pandemic and the world is coming to an end. But if you're on the ground where these college administrators are with college football fans, it's still the same. It's 2019, 2018. And, you know, and, and you mentioned Gus Malzahn. Auburn spent $21.7 million to fire this guy. Um, he wasn't a bad coach. Uh, but, but, you know, the, the fans finally had enough. The Twitter sphere went crazy. Uh, the pressure started building and the AD, well, in, that, in Auburn's case, maybe more the boosters, started saying, you know what, we have to make a change. Uh, because I, I think the, the pandemic is viewed through, through narrower eyes in various parts of the country. I know that veers over into the political side of the conversation, but college football fans are the same. They don't care. Just like in the NFL, you think anybody's happy, uh, Chris, in New England this morning? No, they're not. They're not saying, well, it's, it's 2020, so uh, let's give Cam Newton a pass. Right. Uh, so it's, it's the same everywhere. And in some ways, I think it's healthy that, that we have this to cheer about, to wrap our arms around, and to, uh, to talk about firing coaches. I mean, to me, that, that's a sign of the times. 
Paul, coming into this season, there was the big three in college football, Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State, and all of their quarterbacks, you know, everybody felt really good about. Only two of them have really played at the level that we expected, that being Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence. Justin Fields didn't look great in the Big Ten championship game this weekend against Northwestern, and he struggled a little bit when they played against Indiana. Was it, what is it about him playing against top competition that, that makes him struggle a little bit? Yeah, in defense of him, I, he had a thumb injury uh, Saturday. I just think it's been the inconsistency of the season. They, they, you know, he does not have as many weapons uh, also as he did last year, nor does he have uh, as an elite uh, of a defense. And listen, you, you, you cover the NFL. You saw, you saw how quickly the, uh, the players departed there last year in the first round. So I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I still think he's a great quarterback. He has a chance for redemption against Clemson in a game that Ohio State fans, e- even now we're almost 51 weeks removed, are still bitter about what happened last year in that national semifinal game. But uh, he just, I, I, I think it's, a, it's, it's an amalgamation of things uh, for whatever reason, uh, but uh, I'm a little surprised too. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's got a chance to redeem himself, though, in these next couple of weeks. Just a reminder, conference championship Saturday, a couple days old. We got the playoff yesterday, and believe it or not, Bowl season starts today on ESPN. How? Appalachian- How is that possible? <laughs> yes. Appalachian State, North Texas at 2.30 Eastern. If you're gambling on that, seriously, get yourself some help. The better option a half hour later, listen to Feinbaum <laughs> on the SEC Network. Paul, man, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. See you soon. He's the best. Paul Feinbaum. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. For those of us watching on television, the graphic hits the screen. Great job, Steve Gross. Again, the start of bowl season, Appalachian State and North Texas. Chris, quick breakdown. No, don't don't worry. (laughs) Actually, don't do that. I can't help you with that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We want to keep our listeners, not lose them. On the way, did Trevor Lawrence actually win twice this weekend? Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, the podcast. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. We had sports overload this weekend, and not that there's a bad thing in that, but there was just like so much going on, like two NFL championship games, two or three conference championship games in college football. You almost didn't remember that Tiger and his son, Charlie, played at the PNC championship together. Just so much going on, but this is worth mentioning. This event's been going on for 25 years. It's basically a father-son event, and Tiger and Charlie played alongside 
Justin Thomas and his father, Mike, the latter duo actually ended up winning the tournament. Great moment wearing red and black, matching red and black on Sunday with a fist bump and mini fist bumps. How great is this? Tiger, intensely private, as you know, on what it felt to play in this tournament with his 11-year-old son. It was an incredibly special for us to have the opportunity to spend um, the quality time we, we had. It's memories that we're going to have for our entire lives. It's just that our, our little world, you know, we kept it as that. And just enjoying the experience of being out there together. And, you know, we did that. I could be wrong, Chris. I heard a little quiver in his voice. Yeah, a little little human side to Tiger right there. But how cool is that moment for Tiger? Everything coming full circle. He got introduced to golf by his dad and right. growing up on a golf course and now having the opportunity to share that with his son and compete at a tournament with him. Listen, Z, my dad came to every game when I was in the National Football League, home and away. Wow. I, I couldn't imagine what it would be like to actually play play ball with my dad. But Tiger having that opportunity to do that with his son, I mean, that just – it's an incredible moment for him. I'm sure it's like he was feeling all the emotions at that tournament this weekend. Nothing like being a dad. And I will mention, I'm so glad you mentioned that because obviously you couldn't play football with your father because yeah. of the age difference. But that's actually the beauty of golf. Tiger is 44. His son is 11. Justin Thomas is 27. His dad's in his 60s. You can play golf from 8 to 80, 9 to 90. You're not limited in the game of golf. Yep. 20s, 40s, 60s, and a preteen all together, <laughs> what other sport can that happen in? Only in golf. I think it's a great point. The Jets shocked the Rams for the first win of their season. First win in 358 days, 51 weeks. If you're counting, uh, they may have won by losing because, as our Mike Greenberg says, our resident Jet fan, sure, you always want your team to win, but at what cost here? At the end of the day, there's only one Trevor Lawrence. And if he's really that good, I mean, it would at least have been something to be excited about. If you are rooting for this franchise, which is so dysfunctional, the ownership is so totally out to lunch that at least there would have been something to feel good about. Now there's literally nothing to feel good about. There is nothing better about being one in 15 and having the second pick than being 0 in 16 and having the first pick. Okay, he said that on our program this morning. You can check it out in hour two of the podcast if you're interested. He was on fire. Chris, what he's referencing, if you're not a uh, dyed-in-the-wool Jet fan here, is that by losing this, uh, excuse me, by winning this game, they may have actually lost in the draft order because now Jacksonville slides up in front of the Jets for the number one pick based on the fact that they have the quote-unquote weaker schedule. And if this is all about the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, you can't finish two you got it, finish one. And right now the Jets are in the two spot. And the Jags, who have not won since week one, are in pole position. What do you think? Well, here's the thing. I know a large segment of the Jets fan base has soured on <laughs> Sam Donald. And they wanted the chance to draft a, tre- a generational talent in Trevor Lawrence just because they thought that Trevor Lawrence is so good that the Jets can't screw him up. They've seen this franchise <laughs> do it over and over again with top five quarterbacks that uh, top five pick quarterbacks and Mark Sanchez and then Sam Donald most recently. So I I think that's really where the outrage from the fan base and from Greeny and others comes from because they know how inept the Jets are as an organization. And so now it sets up for an interesting decision by Joe Douglas. If you don't have the first overall pick and you end up having the second overall pick, what do you do? Because Sam Donald is in this position going into year four. You have him still here. 
Are you going to transition from him and draft a quarterback? Or are you going to try to trade down with the draft pick that you had to try to get more picks to, to rebuild the talent level on this roster? So I think it puts Joe Douglas in an interesting spot moving forward in terms of the roster construction and what he does at the quarterback position in particular. With so many holes on this team, would it be the prudent or logical, it wouldn't be the sexiest thing of all time, would it just be the right move to just try to trade out of the pick, get multitudes of picks, keep Darnold, and just start building and filling in those gaps that have been so barren for so long? Well, here's the thing. If they stand pat, they'll have three picks in the top 34. So, I mean, you have draft capital. Remember, they traded Jamal Adams for two first-round draft picks from the Seattle Seahawks, one of which will be, no doubt, in the 20 somewhere. So, they'll have ammunition. I think they've got a total of 18 picks over the course of the next two drafts. So it's not like Joe Douglas doesn't have ammunition. It's just a matter of the value proposition, what another team would be willing to pay to move up to two versus the prospects that you can get your hands on. But again, I think a lot of this comes down to how the organization feels about Sam Donald. And G brought up an interesting point when he was on set with us earlier. He says that's a decision that might be left up to the next head coach for the Jets because no doubt they're going to fire Adam Gase at the end of the season. Who that next head coach is could go a long ways to determining what their strategy is with their draft pick and Sam Donald in the offseason. And keep in mind with those 18 picks or however many they deal or eventually have when the 2021 NFL draft happens, Joe Douglas essentially has built his reputation on scouting and drafting when he was with the Eagles. and they have You to feel pretty the- good about the first two picks that he had this year, Makai Becton and Denzel Mims. And Greeny said that Becton is the best player on the Jets, protecting your most important asset. So he's off to a pretty good start here. In our final minute or so, what if Trevor Lawrence just isn't that great? Like, what if he's great, 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 but, like, not what people are saying? I have a hard time imagining that he's not going to be because ever since the kid set foot on a college football field, I mean, he was the goods. I mean, I remember his freshman year down in College Station against Texas A&M, a ranked opponent. I mean, he stepped in for Kelly Bryant and threw a bomb to T. Higgins, and the rest is history. I was like, yeah, this, this guy, Trevor Lawrence, is for real. He smashed all of Deshaun Watson's high school records in the state of Georgia. I mean, I'm with all of the other pundits out there that says this is the best quarterback prospect that we've seen in the last decade since Andrew Luck. So, I mean, there's a lot to like with Trevor Lawrence, the size, the mobility, the arm talent, the football IQ. I can't imagine him not being a productive player for a really long time in the NFL. If that's even 75% of what Chris said, the Jets are going to rue the day that they upset the (laughs) Los Angeles Rams. If that is what is awaiting some NFL team. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. What's the worst that can happen if you drink and drive? Drive sober or get pulled over. Breeze was back, but was it the wrong call? That's next. Keyshawn, J. Will and Zubin, the podcast. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.